Good morning. I'm going to share because I am writing this book by first filming, teaching, and then getting it transcribed, edited. I'm writing one called The Art of Whelp. You have to study your accuser to know their fruit. So because I raised by a normal relationship valuing equal opportunity, respectful, non-biased, non-racist pastor father who you know, viewed me, his wife, all females, all people as a Christian should, beloved, you know, just equal. Everyone's different. And so here I am as a representation, one minister, but one person with good character. I keep to myself. I keep, you know, living pure before the Lord and a family kind of person. And on behalf of the many different kinds of shapes, sizes, looks, colors, styles, vibes, pleasant, hard, whatever it is. I represent the every person that would walk in any kind of ministry. And I didn't know this was my call was going to turn out like this. I was raised in at 24 being a Christian and love the Lord, servant leaders who are capable, strong ladies. But the father, because of the Bible, Christian is head of household. I'm trained to always look when I go visit a ministry, anybody's house, anybody's business. What do you do? Normal people think this way. <laughs> that keeps society healthy. It keeps it strong and non-biased. So I practice the same skills in life as I do in ministry, and I've always done this. 250% of the time. So when I was called by the Lord and sent out at 24 to study his body intentionally, their, their doctrines, their styles, their pet words, their red flag buzzwords, and I didn't know all the new moves of the Holy Spirit, and I didn't know the African Americans, and I didn't know the different ones of speaking in tongue style, it was a great adventure. I had no clue. That there were outpourings, revivals, and ministries, and so many things. Wonderful people. So I was really joyful in the fact I love diversity, different kinds of men and women, and the Holy Spirit facets. I picture all these different kinds of churches and groups, if they are truly called, if they are walking the real organic New Testament first church love walk, Philadelphian style revelation, brotherly love overcoming, then in general, I can fit in any of them and find common ground and, and enjoy myself. Because it is my opinion that Holy Spirit, Father God, eternal creator is so unusual and so magnificent. He can't give every bit of his Holy Spirit because it's so diverse. It's so many facets of the anointing, his anointing, that he can't put it in one group. Yet he can <clears throat> share bits and peaks of glory, his nature, excuse me. He can and he does show us little tidbits in movements, in revelations, <clears throat> in joy, in outpourings, and rivers and brooks 
of the Holy Spirit, which include fellowships, many fellowships, and I guess now they've made them formal denominations and non-denominationals. I'm more traditional. So what I've done is objectively, try to be objectively, go to some really subjective kind of groups. Subjective means you can't really put your finger on it, but you got to listen to the Holy Spirit to see if it's really true. Lined up what with you know about the organic first church. And in the book of Acts, there were signs and wonders. There were unusual things. So outpourings are not wrong. It's just God can send something really amazing. He is a hero. However, he sends it down to us mortal humans. And then the humans govern it. And that is where it goes. Bad, very bad. Pleasant, joyful, and a good witness. So with that in mind, I teach to encourage people, new people, older people, keep on doing it. Whatever God says to you now, do it. Keep your hand on the plow. Keep your focus. But what I found myself as God's litmus test, it turned out, never having known what I know now, nothing have I, would I have ever dreamed or imagined that could be that bad. That blacklisting, that sinister, that odd, when you go in there to represent God, you represent the future moves of God, the future church, because I don't think old, I'm cross generations all my life. But you come, unbeknownst to me, as a sent messenger to try to understand their group or their ministry, what God is doing through them. Sometimes you need to think, I'd like to connect and go on a regular basis. I'd like to find a church family. I would like to find a church ministry group of pastors, because I am one, that would be my kind and, you know, have relationships in a diverse kind of family feel of pastors. So all these years I've been working on it. It wasn't until I did not know this principle that you can go in. And I'm a representation of the thousands, tens of mega thousands, even black. You can go in where they have amazing, sweet worship, good, powerful worship. <clears throat> you can have all this amazing teaching and Holy Spirit, the pro you know, all these different things, moving in the gifts or not. But I'm looking at the Holy Spirit kind because that's my turf. It has been my turf, and it's going to keep going to be my turf. All right? So you go in there, and you do not know that you have not discovered that without just the beautiful music, the great touch from God, the gifts, there is a doctrinal bathwater. And the doctrinal bathwater can many times be, too often in these kind of groups in America, filled with Levitical, old-timey country, tradition, and evil-spying accusation. It can have doctrinal bathwaters with my new term, our new term, the scowl of false doctrine. I didn't know that these scowl, until, you know, sort of God has to tell me these things, that you can start getting your concern if they are scowling and never speaking. <laughs> I mean, 
that's pretty should be elementary but if they're teaching and they are critical of any other pastor of any other ministry of any other style i've been to places prior to this time <clears throat> where they stood in the pulpit of a mega church and start in famous mega church in the deep southwest and they started to ridicule and mock the offering of the word of faith the ministry who is famous and he's not with us anymore either he's he was mocking the critical offering taking of you know christians who are in the word of faith and i know they are sowing and reaping well then see an accuser this kind of accuser i'm sorry they're pharisees pharisees are usually guilty of doing the same thing so i know my doctrines i've been through all these teachings i know myself i'm very fair and so i was concerned for their with you know for the i was really concerned for the new christian the cynical dad who finally came to a meeting and he always is angry anyway i used to live like that so i know what goes on and i thought listen anybody who comes needs to see jesus not religion not your animosity and your anger your self-righteousness so i think of the the innocent the new person the curious they've never been there he could be there or the cynic looking for one more nail to say i don't need to know god anymore you know i've seen they're all hypocrites <laughs> and there are a lot of them so i was there and this person reviled frankly reviled and i was like cringing but i was in the you know cringing all of a sudden this group took the offering and they began to teach on sowing and reaping <laughs> given to the lord he's going to multiply but that is the same word of faith colonel teaching and yet i had watched and in hindsight when he the head famous leader turned out to be a wealth self-righteous wealth all over the nation it's a red flag because I noticed in hindsight he had the scowl of false doctrine when he was lambasting the other group so it is my opinion that we got all shape up for this new move it is not the old good old boys it's not good old time ministry when I came along <clears throat> I was not jump on the bandwagon charismatic holy spirit type in the 80s I was raised up by pastors I was raised up denominational which is you know one thank god for a lot of you uh, many of you because you know what normal is you know what real respect is you know what cultural just being loving and not having to spy everybody and super spiritual goofy you know thank god so i always have had and i do try at all times all through the years to keep one foot in no normal what is one foot in normal one foot in normal and you, you just are not into your own revelry or whatever it is. Oh, you're not so lost that if somebody comes up, you can't love them, that you can't break out of it and say, you know, and respect them. This is it. The lack of respect in club ministry is just gone. At the grassroots, we're normal people. Normal people. They have a two feet normal. They come in to visit. 
So I just have to go back. I mean, we're going back to the basic pre-caveman days when people started to get educate and teach their children. Honey, you don't disrespect somebody you've never met before. You're not aloof and presume there to be evil, calling good evil evil good, Isaiah 5.20. You don't do that because you've never talked to them. You've never found out, are they evil? You just think they're their, your grandmother's typecast. <laughs> so I come to proclaim the good news. We really want to go after the good news. So on the, I've been downloading and debriefing and unclogging my own will because of the satanic, demonic undermining and also cult and witch-watching through the years when I was laboring in the vineyard to try to find what God needed me to see and understand Holy Spirit. So when I think of what now in the last, this age has produced, it's been a lot of mega and good, can be good, and a lot of kind. But I was never one that got on the clubby bandwagon of the 80s that is now settled in, gentrified, and full of itself immune and is really poison to the new move of God. It's just so clubby and immune. Back in the 80s, I had been a down-to-earth practical person as now. And I was trying to know what the Lord wanted, and I invited the Holy Spirit into my life, and I got the gifts, praying in tongues, and it's never been bombastic and dominating. It's gentle and amazing, it's, but that's another story. I love it. But I was around because people are all walks of life, all backgrounds, and some come from Pentecost, and they can be Pentecostals and dogmatic. Not all are. Right now, I know from being around Pentecostals, some can be Pentecostals and dead, <laughs> sitting there waiting for Jesus to come. No energy, no life. I've been around some of that. But in general, when I was younger and much more quiet and reserved, you know, watching and just studying and wanting to know more, I realized that somebody would pick me out, one of these dominating persons, souls, well-intentioned, but country and bossy and you're not loud enough you're not loud enough and see i can our kind this kind is not going to do that and we are not going to sin spy we're going to remind ourselves of what we went through and used to go through when we were out in some of these moves when i watched tv christian tv come on I am for, pro, and always have been, basically, in in reasonable, careful amounts of Christian TV. I don't watch anything like that. I watch a few, I watch YouTubes now and go to fellowship. I have my own. But the issue is, we want to go where we've never been before, and that is to the future. And we want to take Jesus, the real Jesus, not the isolating, sin-spying domineering prophet holy ghost mantled preacher that scowls with her or her with her false doctrine and superior knowledge <laughs> i've been around see i learn <laughs> i'm a quick learner i learn by experience but the issue is i could be reasonably i am one that reasonably and rationally will be negotiated with 
talk to in a friendly manner and I'll get it. I've never been hard-hearted. I've never been witch watchered, you know, witch watcher. I have always been James 3:17. And I train that now. I use it intentionally cuz these people have gotten so hard, so core hard in their doctrine. They cannot tell a Jezebel because they've enthroned it with their expectations of negative faith in a group, in a cluster. <laughs> and I've been around it all around. You can go in any state where they move in the gifts in this particular kind. That's why I teach against false doctrine in the Christian church. You can go to a move and you can get in the wonderful, oh, they're so wonderful, the Lord. Let's teach about the Holy Spirit. But then they're watching you. They have pet people. They don't love everybody. They only want the skilled seer in the I mean, it's real, and they're clones, they're cult spirit. So we're doing that. I'm making a series. I'll try to, I'm going to try to only to make it like my teaching in a seminary, my new seminary. I'm going to try to make it a course. And this is filling. When I get a word, I just do it because it can be taken later, all the information and called. So that's what I'm doing. But I also am scared I really am scared for these because they've really made it big and they really are mammon centric now. And I believe that Phariseeism, like the Bible, Eli Temple, a priesthood, the lost first love lampstand of Revelation 2, 2 through 8, all are like this. They're the similar. And it's for years I've seen it. And so my concern and fear for them as men, wise men, people that are under them, the females, if this goes on God is going to judge and he has sent me an innocent not naive not a novice well trained and experienced prophet seer for the nation not an accuser but one who has been oft accused on the representation of Jesus for his sake as a prophet to know how what happens with the fruit of this ministry the art art is abiding relationship theology be it sweet smiling open and honest or dark scowling manipulative cunning to keep power to keep everyone under to keep control who does that that last part who does that remind you of what does that remind you of when I think of art, I think of my daddy. My daddy's down to earth, easily entreated like James 3.17. So I'm training you and everyone and myself. The relationship, fruit, not their high quality, not their good looks, not their team, not their artsy side. The love of the brethren. Philadelphian church, Love Walk Church is the only door is the only church whose doors will never close. Reminder, all of us, the only church whose doors will never close, I'm pronouncing this, is the Philadelphia Love Walk Church in Revelation. Read it. So we want to have, to me, I'm concerned for them. They're so, they're, like the Eli Temple priesthood, God used a non-famous, nameless prophet who came out of nowhere and gave the word of the Lord like this. Ichabod, 
to many Ichabod. The glory of the Lord, the breath of the Lord, the, the kabod of the Lord has departed from Israel. This is an Israel, an, a, a nation unto itself, basically all-knowing. So because I care, because Jesus cares and sent me to tell you he cares, he's telling you a heads up. And this is for the nation, whomever has ears to hear. Whomever wants this to happen, just ignore it. Keep on keeping on. You know, just treat the visitors like dust. Keep on acting like hell representing the Father. To the lost, to the stranger, to the abused woman, the Hannah on the front porch step. You know what? That's your choice. You're in a place. We're all in a place where we don't know how it's going to happen or what's going to happen, but something is going to happen. Mighty. And there is a place now for this kind of group, this religious group, putting up a great front, a great posture, but in sin. It is choose who you're going to serve. The fruit of the Spirit, I have to train these people like children, little babies, because they're so pompous. The basic fruit and criteria for being called a Christian in ministry to have the mantled office to have the is to have joy. <laughs> this is why I gotta teach more than just them. I gotta teach from the other side my call to represent Jesus in prophecy. Men and women, this is a human's ministry, always has been. I'm gonna teach it without whelp and whelm. The critical spirit, the dominating spirit, the spooky, you know. So just lift this up. So when I had to teach in the last few weeks, months, because of all that's so big and many levels, then I felt after 11 of these and then keeping on remembering and God putting different points that I can use in a book with my daddy, so the opposite, so non-demeaning so affirming so accepting say you know it was like whatever you're good at tavo do it if the lord tells you to do it just do it and i'm that's how i believe so when you get into these levels of the teaching what i find and this is a whole topic they are so full of the law critical law scowling law that they will look and say to the person who sits there who doesn't have a vibe they recognize She's unsubmitted. He's unsubmitted. But, but do how do they know? Are they that superior? Do they care enough to ask? Well, uh, where do you go to church? Uh, who you? If you're a minister, do you have an authority? So it broke me down so much where I saw this horrible critical watching, and then they would gossip. You know, I didn't talk to her. I didn't talk to him. I didn't love him enough. I really didn't care. You know, I just, my authority is all that matters and my title. So I'm going to say, you know, presumptive, I'm going to say, you know, they, I saw them. I saw them. They must be a witch. I heard they're a witch. He's a warlock. I heard from somebody in another state, some pappy, some pappy from the hills that, all those women, they're like witches. This is old-timey 
scale of false doctrine. So it made me research witches. <laughs> I've researched Jezebels. I've researched chain of command, males and females, Paul's silent woman. You name it, I'm a theological maven. That's what I am. God and this law, tclleader.com, tclleader.com, the maven of apostolic theology. <laughs> so now I'm setting, I've already set up, we've already set up our law practice in Rock Hill. That's our main headquarters, though I move up to Charlotte and South Park and all that. But our main headquarters, a little college town, Rock Hill, is where I set up my law practice. To defrag it. To defrag the law from all this theology. The law criticizes, accuses, it demeans, it controls, it rationalizes, it blames, it does everything less than it sees evil. It makes typecasts. It has no joy. It's got the scowl of false doctrine. Main point in my theology. Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1 for the prophet. In the old days, Hebrews 1, 1. In the old days, God spoke in diverse manners to the prophets. That's the Old Testament prophets like Elijah, Obadiah, which are very dramatic, very, you know, usually filled with woe and all those warnings, you know, sober, craggy. And see, that is much of the style of the Pharisee. Oh, they're going to burn. They're going to burn. America's going down because of, of the unsaved. All those non-believers are brought our nation down to judgment. The homosexuals and the elders, you know. Listen, I'm a maven of theology. We don't go there. The roots are in the church. And this is frustrating. It really is. People are dominating, accusing, lying, false witness, and they don't even have proper doctrine, you know. So for that, it's not the Hindu. No, I'm sorry. They're pretty cheery. I like Hindus. I mean, I like Indians. I like all kinds. I respect them. I'm out in the field. You're not. You're in your closet scowling and frowning and spying on people <laughs> in occult theology. So we get out here like Baptists. So much more fun. So in the root of America, <clears throat> it would mean if my people who humble themselves and seek my facials you know, and turn from the wicked ways, then I'll heal their land. That's Second Chronicles 7.14. Where is it? And then in the New Testament, it would be, Peter, I believe, says, humble yourself before the mighty hand of God that he will exalt you in due season. And he also says, let, I think that one is let, that is more Paul or Peter, let judgment begin at the house of God. Self-judgment, not self-accusation, but a reality check. All right, so back on track. So when I go out, I've had to really, because people are really in this kind of movement, the occult, psychic, warring against the normal person, warring against God, false prophecy, you know, the fruit of it. It attacks relationship. It does not respect relationships. And this is my field, so it's a red flag, and I study their doctrine. <clears throat> so now I have to train them. 
when a female or male, black or white or brown, walks in for the first time, they may have, they may not have your energy. Because by the time you get in that kind of group, they're all alike. They have their caste system hierarchy. <laughs> they're cloning of their devout followers, team. They're all steeped in the same exact, identical, fearful, unholy, <laughs> ungodly doctrine. So don't let me forget Hebrews 1, 2. I just got off on that, but let me get back. So I'm teaching these people... <clears throat> How to really discern and not get themselves trouble with the Lord because don't be under the law. Here we understand critical and Levitical rhyme. That's how you teach. Scowling when you look at a visitor, your false doctrine showing. <clears throat> so James 3.17 is the criteria to assess instead of accuse. It's part of my abiding relationship, abiding in James 3.17 relationship theology, which I encourage you to know and do and to practice. You abide in James 3.17 fruit, train everybody in your family, train everybody in your ministry that under pressure they have to go to God for help to stay like the wisdom from above. <clears throat> James 3.17, which is, bears the fruit of pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit without partiality. And without hypocrisy. And I live that way. I've been, you know, I do my best. I'm always like that. But you, they don't know it. They have no clue. you got to train them now. we got to teach you. All these people. Levitical patriarchs. you got to get back out. you got to be delivered. And that's why I'm here. Alright, so we got the group that is back under the law. That thinks highly of themselves. <laughs> that is a very astute prophet. But they're under the law and they're under Jezebel's spying, which is demonic. So I'm going to teach and displace. This is my displacement theology for this, for this kind of thought. Realism. Somewhere in their great masses of white theology, because they're all white, whelp or white. And you've got to say that you've got to branch out and be a theologian, a noble ruin for yourself, and realize that Christ was from the Middle East. He was not from Western European culture. Western European culture can be very perfectionist, expecting perfection and, and very detailed in books and well-read. And there's nothing wrong with anyone. Anybody can be well-read. But I'm saying, I know my culture. I used to be a perfectionist, a white perfectionist. But I'm not we colonial. We whelp are we-centric. We are the world colonial, used to owning people, used to being over people. And they are very, very clannish and well-read. So we have to say, you have to undo a bit, a lot. I'm we-global. I'm trying to train. There are different kinds of people with different kinds of strengths. I am sent more to the diverse energy and the more untamed, I guess, tribal Caucasian and more black people and brown people. I'm a global person walking around and, you know, I'm a missionary. So I don't, I know how to deal, you know, I look like a we-centric. I look like a colonial but I, I know not to be. I'm not. And I'm not a, pa a matriarch. I'm a maven. My mom 
was a matriarch. She was dominating. She was an autocrat like these people. I learned the hard way. Don't be like that. <laughs> and I love my mom. She had some really, she's a really gifted lady. But my dad was not. And he is what I want to resemble. Low-key, down-to-earth, approachable, sensible, one foot in, on the, you know, loved his mom, loved my mom, loved us, wasn't threatened, wasn't like women or, you know, evil, that type of thing. So we learn. When, and he wasn't a misogynist, anti-woman, hater. He wasn't an Eli Temple priesthood. Unclean. He was no guile, a one-woman man. And he was not a womanizer, which I wonder, I really wonder when people are projecting accusation on a female in that movement, and they look like Eli Temple and all these different things sort of add up. I wonder if they have had frankly, a lot of woman trouble in their own weakness. And see, I don't come, you know, I'm not putting you down, but you got to watch out. Some people have besetting sins, but don't, don't attack God's anointed just because you've got issues. It's disgusting. It is just unholy. It is. It is so impure. It's disgusting. I'm training you. All right. Blessed are the pure in heart. What does Jesus say? Good news. Let's have good news after all that. Blessed are the pure in heart. Yay. Pure in heart sees no evil. Not full of itself. Not full of sin consciousness. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. And as a prophet, as a person who's a perceiver, discerner like myself, I choose to have a pure heart. Because I don't want to miss God. I don't want to be an error in my theology. I don't want to be an error in my attitude. I don't want to be an error. I want to have a pure heart so I can hear God clearly and accurately in my message, in my life. All right. The other part, Hebrews 1, 2. Hebrews 1, 1 says in the old days, the Old Testament theology, God only used, he used prophets through diverse manners, even signs and wonders, the oracle, warning of the nation, to speak to his people. Why? Because nobody could invite Jesus into their heart then. He had not come. They couldn't get the Holy Spirit, which is a little bit of your relationship. Personally with the Lord, where you get communication and words from the Lord and messages, like a little GPS, so to speak. Sort of like that. Hebrews 2, 1 and 2. Nowadays, it says, nowadays, if you're listening, do you think you're a prophet? You think this is a prophet? All right, listen. Do they know about real prophecy in the New Testament? Or are they just some critic, you know? Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says, but in these days, New Testament first church, now. But in these days, God speaks to us through his son. His son is the prophet, the mega prophet over all the other prophets in the Christian ministry. He is the founding work planner, apostle, the chief apostle of all the Christians. Give him honor. Don't get confused. Don't make yourself almighty. It's Jesus. All right. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says that now Jesus... God speaks to us through the prophet, about a prophet, being in prophecy through Jesus. Therefore, you've got to look at Jesus, how he acted in life and in ministry, and role model him. And you're going to find he was 
Not under the law. He wasn't a critical Levitical sin spire. He wasn't easily spooked, but he respected women, real women. His mother, the woman at the well, he did not have any stigma of bias, or was he scared and self-righteous and holy when he was, you know, I don't want to be tainted by that fornicating woman at the well. And, you know, and even this is about no guile leaders. I think I can name one beside my dad that I met years ago in Dallas, 2010. I can name maybe one no guile leader. You know, there's some more, but in my generation. Because I can to a no doll leader and they treat me like fine. They have no woman hang-ups. They have no woman, whatever it is, misogyny. I can tell a no, and more black people with me, they're fine. All right, so we go back to Jesus, and we look at Jesus for a little segue. We go to Jesus when he's speaking to the Samaritan woman, the fallen woman who's living with somebody she's not married to, and she'd had a history of doing it with four or five more. A well-known, scandalous female. Well, here's the lone 33-year-old Jesus, approximately, standing there out in public, and it was against the Jewish law to speak, to even have communication with anybody from the unclean Samaritans. They were the taboo. So Jesus was standing there talking about salvation, and she got saved. But he put his reputation for scandal on the gossip hit list. Because he was pure in heart and a man, God's man, he had no feeling of, he would not be have any lust devils to be tempted. He wouldn't have any wrong ideas. He didn't commit for, for an occasion. You know, he saw a human. He practiced real respect and saw, man, this is a human made in God's image and she's lost. And she's been through so much pain and so much sorrow, made more wrong choices. And she's immoral, but I'm not putting her down. I know why, because she just doesn't know she's valued and loved. No guile leadership 101. On top of that, Jesus is alone. The disciples have gone off to buy food. And you can tell a ministry by the next group down. All right, Jesus passes the test. A plus. Let's see how his trained mentors do. It says that disciples, all men, come up and they see Jesus and they're surprised. Wow. Jesus is standing there talking to this known, almost like a prostitute. Everybody will know, everybody in our circle, everybody, because it's, just, you know, I've been to Jerusalem. It is really small. Everybody knows your business. You can't help it. So I picture that gossip, because there's still the gossip. A lot of gossip travels fast, so it does in Welp America. But um, so the, the disciples come up and they see Jesus, and the recording is that they did not accuse him. They did not get into switch holier-than-thou mode. Jesus, let not your good be evil spoken of. You know you're not supposed to do that with the scowl of false doctrine. Law. It says they were surprised. That meant, oh, look, he's talking to this Samaritan lady. But they passed the test, too, because they were no guile. They were not guile, biased, misogynist, hypocrites. 
I can go on and on. One day I'm going to teach all my doctrine about that, about the Pharisees, how they brought the woman that was caught in adultery, but not the man, to Jesus. They said, Jesus said, which one of you cast the first stone? You do it. And nobody could say, all that group of men. Nobody could have said, nobody could have said, I never committed lust. I never committed adultery. I never committed fornication. So they knew that. And he caught them, Pharisees. Pharisees and witch watchers accuse innocents or accuse people, great many people, of what they are guilty of now. That's all I know. God's talking to all of us. He's talking straight. He's talking and he needs to. He's talking to the man and the woman in the mirror. It's time. So after the, I'd say the crazy-matic, it had started to be, it's now crazy-matic. Now a lot of this is crazy-matic. Who exalted, who exalted this kind of theology, occult mind-reading and fault-finding, and then pass itself off, cult, cultish, passing itself off as a Christian ministry, a famous or not famous, it doesn't matter. It is, is it representing, is it marketing itself truthfully? Are you marketing yourself as a Hebrews 10, 25, that would look like Isaiah 56, 7, a house of prayer for all nations, all kind of people, weak people, strong people? Or do you just want the alpha, the strong, like you, many of you? Or do you want, do you really want to act like Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in his actions and reactions with every relationship? That's how, that's Christian. That's real pastors and apostles. And he was Jewish. Jesus was brown skinned. He was international, multicultural. He wasn't we centric over everybody. He didn't have that patrician shepherding, covering shepherding in his movement. No. <laughs> Hebrews 1, let's go back and redeem this. Let's redeem a lot out of this. Hebrews 1, 2. In these days, the prophet is represented by the non-occult Christ. Who is Christ? Acts 10, 38 reminds me of my daddy, the pastor. Jesus went about, Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, and the Lord was with him. So God was accompanying Jesus, giving him assistance and guiding and guarding him and giving him his power and peace in his mission because Jesus went about, he related. He went about doing good, not, not spying evil. He wasn't controlling. And he healed all that were sick. Let's see. Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. That's the big one. It does not say that prophet Jesus oppressed, suppressed, withstood, dominated, or controlled, or used cult-like informers to keep people under him. Whoa. Who are we going to... Is that a church, or is that bondage? Is that a white bastion of control or demanded megacult following and people pleasing or what we got to choose all of us our options are open we don't have to go we don't like we don't need to go if we're going to be controlled 
disrespected. False doctrine. If they, if this kind of person can see somebody far off, never talk to him, and pronounce their evil and a witch or whatever this crazy medic has gone to, and then tell everybody's to warn him, which I've had happen. I know it. Ha- it's white. It is all white. I've had it happen in more than one state, and I just watch. I'm on assignment. I just watch what goes on in there for all these people that they're doing it to. Jesus' name, I watch. And I think they're calling. They're like Isaiah. The first ten chapters about the national leaders of God's people, endangered. They're calling people evil who are good. And they're calling this practice of hurting people and damaging them and psychic spying and also the occult warfare the misrepresentation of the true Messiah, Jesus, who was not like that. They're calling that good. They're calling, if you read Ode to Wealth, started in Virginia, Talis, uh, you know, in North Carolina, it's a compilation of all this that I've been through, but I saw on behalf of Jesus all these others, many others. I went to Florida, oh my gosh, Florida, Tampa, and I had, I love Florida, Tampa, and I saw many good things there in the Holy Spirit, really did. But you never know what God wants you to know. I found out when I was speaking down there one time, the pastor host said, you know, this group keeps a witch, witch's list in their national headquarters. And I exactly, I thought, you know, that's how it gets around. It goes from the north to the middle of the America around, and they, because it is their self-righteous duty never to speak to a soul but to pronounce because they're they're gifted psychics they're gifted prophets apostles and their talent has made this superhuman (laughs) and now it's demonic okay it is demonic ode to whelp top of online fellowship us this is big 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 in america in white it's whelp um, so let me end on a positive. You can be in the Holy Spirit and not have the false controlling doctrines that are in their bathwaters. It is not the Holy Spirit that they're off in. Many of these are not off in unless they've gone to occult mind reading, presumption, confusion, and their people are doing the same because usually the devout followers are just this, they're, they're the same pride because they are now being prayed, you know, that's the, I've got to be like the head famous, the head one. And now I am. So they're all, you can go in a bastion. That's what I'm saying. And I don't know if it's because African-Americans in their history used to have no free time to sit around dreaming up this type of stuff. And maybe white people did. I'm not saying all did, but a lot of people, but I also think a lot of this, the background is poor, poor me, <clears throat> old-timey religion, country, white, red state. I think it comes down from passed down Jezebel lore in the mountains. I think it comes down from the Salem witch trials of the aberration that used false vibes and dreams and nightmares to accuse women demonically. Spectral evidence in court. Read spectral evidence. It is the same spirit it is misogynist. It goes after a female. It is about white. 
So why do I want to go as a person, a valuable person, a minister of God, to be touched by unholiness? Touch not God's anointing, do his prophets no harm, even if they're in the audience. This is calling somebody, walking up, you can tell if you're a female. I walk up, innocent, just myself. I think, I'm going to say hello. If it's a whelp, it'll flare. The spirit will manifest. I make the demon manifest. It will have a, I've just seen a harlot look. It will have this scowl of false doctrine. And it's so, you know, I wouldn't, I'm not going to places like this, but you don't know until you're there what this spirit is. It's very weary. It's very dominating. It is very cult-like. It is very satanic. That's all I can say. The fruits, know them by their fruit. That's why we're saying it. God is going to bring judgment. Not accusation, but judgment for the righteousness of his name and the hope for the future. So, this is serious. <clears throat> I'm not playing. And see, I go there. This is what bothers me. The bottom line is, I have been on my mission to do what God says all my life. And when I was in training to for now, I would get sidetracked and gossip and all this spiritual war, you know, animosity, demonic occult warfare, that would I'd have to figure out what, did I do something wrong? <clears throat> I'd have to get the arrows out of my back because I am a prophet, not a witch. And that is, they pray against you. This group raises up people, foolish people that are impure and they are low esteem. I have high esteem. Maybe that triggers, I have high esteem. Maybe I trigger low esteem. Well, that's all I can, or threaten them that I'm going to take their property. Grow up. Man up, human up. <laughs> so I'm being, I'm overcoming evil. This is evil. This has been plain old evil in America. Evil. I've been on assignment. I'm now going to overcome evil with good. The smiling prophet, the smiling Jesus. <laughs> He's not your accuser. The Pharisee is. He's not your misogynist. The old pappy patriarch might be Eli Temple. He's not your user, the old cultist witch watchers. He knows what they're up to. Hebrews 1.9. I got to be, listen, I thank God for my daddy. I thank God for the Baptists. <laughs> I thank God for the denominationals, the Catholics, the Christians, the black people who have at least love in their hearts. Many of them. I am not going to, I learn not to sit in a shroud of my own glory, <laughs> sit in a shroud of my own mega anointing, micro anointing, and never relate, never be human. Jesus went about, I believe, you know, I work out. I like to see people. I work out. I'm friendly. I'm sociable. I am. I believe today Jesus would probably join a gym and work out as well. I'm not putting that on him, but I it wouldn't put, you know, Jesus would be out with real people. He would not be spooky. He would not be cultish or occultish. All right. Hebrews 1.9. Got to get there. 
Hebrews 1.9, it said that Jesus was known for his joy, his countenance of joy. It said that Jesus Christ had the oil of joy and gladness above his fellows because God anointed Jesus Christ with the oil of joy above his fellows as a prophet, as a prophet of the area and of the nation and of the globe and as the apostle planning his work in the area. Okay? Jesus, our role model, our hero for the prophet, the true prophet, the mega prophet, the little prophet, the famous prophet, the no-name prophet, all right? It is the prophet Jesus that I'm going to teach on. I'm taking a stand. I've taken a stand not to be back under that old law, false teaching. Jesus went about doing good. He did not scowl because he had no false doctrine. Only the Pharisees scowled. Hebrews 1.9. And I got to go because I got to get to the office. The law practice. <laughs> All right. It says Jesus, if Jesus was there with a bunch of disciples or people out in the marketplace, people would look at Jesus and say, wow, look at that guy. He's got joy. What about Jesus? He really does stand out. He's got joy. Now, Jesus was also not handsome. He wasn't pretty. He was just an average, not really attractive form of a human man. So the joy on the unattractive human was huge. Okay. Isn't that amazing? To get rid of all this stereotyping we got going. So Jesus was out there and it said, Jesus got anointed, got gave, imbued Holy Spirit activated on him and gave him the comfort of it to be able, you know, Jesus had the oil of joy and gladness above his fellows because, now here it is, the Messiah paid a price to have that oil of joy. It said that he hated iniquity. He hated the fallen sin condition of carnal humans. Why? Because it ended in death. It brought suffering. It brought confusion, moral turpitude, and hurting people, abuse, slavery, wife abuse, all these things, depression. He hated iniquity, so that's why he came, because he wanted to give himself as a sacrifice so we could get the Holy Spirit in the first church new day and have the power to overcome and get forgiven and healed, restored and anointed, and then act like Jesus going about doing good. Amazing. So it said Jesus hated iniquity with a passion. He didn't hate sinners, but he's willing to take, you know, suffer for his cause. You know, he got accused a lot, demonized, usually by mammon chasers. I think Pharisees and mammon chasers, that's a secret about mammon chasers. All right. Hebrews 1 and 9. Jesus hated iniquity, but he didn't hate people. He was pure-hearted. He wasn't biased. It says he loved, Jesus loved what was righteous. We need to love what is righteous. He was not superior, though. He was not dark. He was not, I'm so righteous, accusing. No, he loved what was righteous, but he didn't have to be always perfectly right and win over anybody. He was not stubborn. 
He had to, he loved righteousness because it elevated people. It helped people. It cured people. It gave them hope, a spirit of joy like himself. All right. So he hated sin. He hated what sin did to people. It dominated them, controlled them, demeaned them, made them have no purpose. But he came because he loved righteousness, but he wasn't self-righteous. He wasn't accusing self-righteous, holier than thou, pretending to be over everybody, pretending to know more with his powerful, surely powerful Holy Spirit call. So I want all of us, each of us, to really think about what are we listening to? Why are we going to certain... Who are we sitting under? What are we trying to portray? Who are we anyway? What what are we really right about? Have we got anything going? And then let us just all go toward Jesus and read him in his relationships and know him in the power of his resurrection and suffering. You know, the oil of joy and gladness above his fellows. Back in Virginia, I started understanding on my mission. I understand the doctrines. I meet people and different kinds of character and different kinds of fruit, different kinds of wonderful people who touched me. And I might get misty. Please forgive me. One female, I was teaching my, I started my own ministry and I was teaching a Bible study at a church. And so I met this lady who was older than myself at the time, a mother, and she had had tragedy and tragedy and tragedy. Her little daughter walked out the front door and got killed. Two-year-old toddled out the door, God forbid anybody, and was killed in traffic. Her husband dropped dead. Something else, three people like that. And yet her flavor, her life was so un... It was so touching and so beautiful, so fragrant. And her mission after that, instead of sitting around feeling sorry for herself, she had a gentle, quiet joy. And she went about looking to find when people had tragedies in the newspaper, around town, around the area, when she heard of horrible things, her mission was to comfort them. Share it. So that's, that's the real person that God needs. That's the real person who needs to see Jesus. That's the, the person who might come and visit your church and just trying to get away from all the stress and get her name put on the witch list. That's the kind of person they do this to. So I'm trying to give everybody a caution. We're not to be not so worldly wise. God uses intentionally, especially right now, <laughs> he uses the foolish things of this world to confound the worldly wise in all of us. And I might be the foolish thing to some of these, some people, and you might be the foolish thing to me. <laughs> so let's get along and do it for the name of the Lord. God bless you. This is Tavo DRC signing off for now.